Hey friends, it's Fred Greenhalgh, producer here at Realm. A new episode of Ominous Thrill is ready for your ears. It's Advice After Dark. Late night radio host Belladonna delivers extreme advice to the delighted horror of her audience until a creepy listener forces her to confront the brutal consequences of her show. Here's a preview. Welcome to my live stream, Bella. Say hello to everyone. What do you want? Click the link. Watch along. I'm not clicking links from psychos. You put that trash on the radio every night and I'm the psycho. You sound like you need help. I'm not one of your fake callers. My show is very, very real. Do you want to know what it's called? No, I don't. It's called Belladonna Gets What's Coming. Starring you. What? It's really starring me, but it's all about you. And you'd be surprised how many people want to watch you get what's coming. I called the police. They'll be here any minute. Yeah, well, we should be done before they get here. Find Ominous Thrill out now, everywhere you listen. Duel. Content warnings for death, language, discussion of alcohol, and depiction of violence. Ed Trigger Reed walks into an elevator from a job he'd just finished. He's a stocky man in his late 40s, and like many Americans, he hates his job. Ed usually numbs the grind of his freelance work with alcohol and cigarettes, curating a drinking habit that only makes him sloppier at his job. Besides his line of work, Ed also hates silence. It drives him mad, and the silence of this elevator was no different. Ed never liked jobs that were in older buildings, because the cinder walls ate sound, and the maddening silence was everywhere. To combat the silence, Ed starts licking his fingers. This is a sign that he's craving for a cigarette. But before he can put in his fifth Marlboro of the day, the elevator door slowly opens. No one steps inside the elevator as it waits on the floor, doors open. Ed begins to fidget, waiting for the elevator door to close, breathing a sigh of relief when the elevator makes a half-hearted sound and begins to shut. But at the last second, a hand gets in between the doors, and a young woman walks in. This girl looks like she's been through the ringer. Ed makes a harsh cough, hoping to scare her away from his proximity. But it doesn't deter the young woman, and she moves within a shoulder's distance of Ed. In an elevator, loss of personal space is customary, but to someone like Ed, this is a grave offense. Excuse me, he says tersely. The young woman doesn't respond. In his younger days, Ed would have responded to this slight with extreme violence. But he isn't in his prime anymore. His violent temperament replaced by a self-loathing, medicated with vice. The young woman scowls up at him, and this gives Ed a strange ping of familiarity. Do you have a problem, sir? She asks. With phony kindness, Ed says, I don't have a problem if you move to the other side of the elevator. The woman responds, Listen, this elevator is too damn small to move anywhere. I'm basically on the other side already. Ed sighs and goes to open his pack of Marlboros. When the young woman sees the cigarettes, she asks for one. You look way too young to have one of these, remarks Ed with a sound of concern. This girl could be 12 for all he knew. I'm older than I look, she grumbles. 
The girl looks up to glare at him, but her expression changes. Hey, mister, you're bleeding. Ed notices this and sighs, feigning disinterest as his heart begins to beat a mile a minute. Just hazards of the job, doll, he says, fumbling for an acceptable explanation. Of course, minutes prior to Ed stepping into the elevator, he had fulfilled a contract on Mark Galento, who owed the Pizzuti family money. But this young woman didn't need to know that, and her observations were dangerous. Ed begins to lower his hand to his thigh, where his holster lays, just in case. How horrible it would be to murder a child. He doesn't want to do it, but he can't leave a loose end. You're not the only one with a hazardous job, the young woman states, facade beginning to drop. I know why you're here. I've been following you. She stares at him with angry eyes, and Ed wonders if that's why her gaze is so familiar. Do I know you, honey? Is there some kind of business we've participated in? He asks her. The young woman is silent, but her hand glides to her thigh, an unmistakable gesture to a hired hitman. What do you have? Ed asks. But this question is pointless. He knows what it is. Do you know what you're doing with that? He questions. At this point, he is stalling for time, in the hopes of figuring out why this girl is so familiar. But he has no time to think. The young woman answers right away. It's a Colt 45. I've had 21 years of practice. Ed's made too many enemies over the years. Too many people have reason to threaten him with a gun in an elevator, and he can't narrow it down. Panicking, he asks, who put you up to this shit? The young woman doesn't answer, so Ed tries a different tactic. Can't we call this a draw? The girl shakes her head, and with that small motion, Ed knows she has to die. Their fates are sealed. They both know what's to come, but both are hesitant to pull the trigger. Ed frowns. The dance of death is long and laborious in his mind, but he hates the end, when the air is silent and the breaths are held. Ed doesn't want to die here, in this dirty, grimy, too quiet elevator. But the young woman is calm and collected, content with her life choices and willing to die for them. Ed wonders what those life choices are. I'll ask again. What do you want, girl? He questions with just a hint of fright. In answer, the young woman assumes a dueler's stance. Ed follows. Both hands twitch with anticipation, waiting until the right moment. Waiting for the... Now! Both raise their guns and two gunshots ring out, just as the elevator opens. The young woman appears unharmed, as if divine intervention had stopped the bullet aimed her way. But Ed slumps over, a bullet embedded in his gut. Who 
are you? He sputters and finally gets his answer. The young woman pulls an old Polaroid out of her right pocket. The photo has a younger Ed with a woman and a baby. Specifically, a woman and a baby Ed had not seen for decades. Hello, Dad. It's been a while. Do you even remember your little daughter, Ray? Ed can barely get enough air to breathe, and certainly not enough to respond. But the answer is yes. He remembers the look on her face right now. The same one Ray gave him when he abandoned the family. If only things could have been different. Ray shakes her head in disgust and turns to leave. In her mind, there is nothing to be said. Surrounded by the silence he hates so much, Ed can do nothing but cough up blood as his child walks away. The elevator doors close, then the silence keeps Ed company, until finally, he's silent too. This microsode was written by Joshua L. Belmonte, with editing by Tal Manier. It was narrated by Lindsay Zana and produced by Tal Manier. Joshua L. Belmonte is a writer and producer of Merchant of Death, an audio drama about a WW2 vet who turns to a life of crime. Lindsay Zana is a voiceover artist and singer who can be heard in audio dramas such as Arden, Primordial Deep, Dining in the Void, Starfall, and many more. Here's a quick question for you. How did you sleep last night? If your battle for a good night's sleep feels relentless, I have the answer. It's a podcast called Sleep Wave with meditations and hypnosis created to help you fall asleep. My relaxation techniques will help you feel calm and ready for sleep with soft music that will help you fall asleep in minutes. Most listeners never hear the end of an episode. So search Sleepwave on your favorite podcast app and find out why over a million people have fallen asleep to my voice. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The Shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts.